Welcome back to season two of the Upgrowth Mindset Podcast, where our goal is to empower women to be confident and to elevate their mindset by learning from others. But we don't want to discourage men from coming into the room. We want y'all also to make this a safe space and come in and share your personal experiences and stories and life lessons as well. So I am your host, India. And I'm the real number one host, Jadakins. We said for season two, you wasn't doing that. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Forget it. Whatever. Make sure y'all follow us on social media outlets. So our Facebook is Upbrook Mindset. And our Instagram is Upbrook underscore Mindset. And also, if if you're new, make sure you go back into the room from season one and listen to our uh, podcast. We had a podcast on um, trauma bonding. We had a podcast for the whole month of May, highlighting wonderful superwomen, uh, super mothers. We talked about sexual assault. Y'all just go back and check out season one because it was lit. Okay, so before we even get into what this this week's episode is, is about, I'm sorry, I, I have to. Why do you keep saying room? We are not club. Yes, it is. It's a room. It's a safe space. How you gonna say it's a sa- room? First off, how you gonna how we gonna say it's a safe space and we can't say it's a room? Don't start with me. If I can't say I'm the number one host, you can't you can't come for me. Period. <laughs> okay, so don't show out in front of company. All right, you're right. Let me be on my best behavior. Okay, so on this week's episode, guys, um, we'll be discussing the pros and cons of attending an HBCU versus a PWI. And we have two very special guests joining us. Our first one is Fashay Kinslow. Um, She is from a farm town in Oklahoma, but currently resides in Oklahoma City. She has worked as a school counselor for all education levels, along with mental health, and a substance abuse counselor. She received her bachelor's and master's from the University of Central Oklahoma, and she is now uh, currently pursuing her doctoral degree in sports management while currently working as associate AD at Langston University. And I just gotta mention, because this just goes to show how freaking awesome and dope she is, she also beat stage three breast cancer. She's a stage three breast cancer survivor. So clap it up for her, y'all. Clap it up for her. Yeah. So we we wanna <laughs> and allow you to enter into the room. Yes. In the Come show. on in this room. Come on in the room. Um. Next we have my frat brother, Eugene Church. I'm gonna call him Church. Church. I want you to introduce yourself. Put out your accolades, brother man. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Friends and family. Uh, to start off, my name is Eugene, aka Church. Don't ask me why they call me Church, because that's a, a long hour story in itself. Um, but yeah, I, I have a I have a story for that for that too. I'll tell y'all later on. Um, but yeah, I'm originally from Denver, Colorado. Uh, I I am a graduate, 2018 graduate of Langston University. Uh, I received my bachelor's, uh, in, bachelor's of uh, English, uh, in 2018. And I just recently graduated from the University of Oklahoma uh, with my master's in adult higher education with emphasis in student affairs. Uh, I, uh, speaking of Langston University, I am a former Mr. Orange and Blue, uh, 2012, and a former Mr. Langston University. Uh, that was 20, the 2016 or 33rd Mr. Langston University. Uh, so I did it all uh, at Langston. Uh, that was a goal of mine to get on the Royal Court um, and be the head, the top dog on campus uh, when, I, when I was at school. So. Uh, shout out to my mentors, uh, you know, Kavar Sims, uh, Quentin Dixon, Jonathan Solomon, uh, I can name jo- Joshua Busby, I can name a lot of other signals on campus that paved the way for me. Um, and so, yeah, that's me. Uh, I paint a lot. I'm an artist, overall creative artist, poetry, uh, spoken word, motivating the youth, young kings and young queens. Uh, I like, I have a lot of energy, a lot of aura. I love Langston. Um, I'm excited about this discussion about, you know, the HBCUs and PWIs, giving an opportunity to both. Um, if I were to be honest, before this even starts, Langston University gave me the foundation, uh, the solid educational foundation for me to even go to OU in the first place. So 
uh, kudos to Tulane University. I always <laughs> him over everybody else. So first of all, <laughs> we can, can we get him like an advertisement? I know he needs to be on an infomercial for you. Me. Hear me for LU? Like he real life? He put on for the he for the food. Jumping into the conversation before he can't ease into it. He let me just make this very clear. Like, yeah. like I haven't even given the chance to give my side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, you did. It's cool, it's cool. You rep your school, boo, rep your school. Got <laughs> to. Okay. So I'm gonna start off with the first question, y'all. So I'm going to start this with you, Church, since, since you already, you know, repping. So why did you choose Langston? Like, what were the big factors that played into you choosing your HBCU? Okay, so um, originally I have I have a, a older sister. She's not my blood sister, but like a sister I had my whole entire life. Um, she graduated from Langston in 2002. So I, I was always hip to Langston University. I never visited uh, the school, never been there. Um, and being from Colorado, we don't really hear a lot about uh, HBCUs out there. Um, getting into my high school career, um, I run across this this family called the Crowleys. They own the Crowley Foundation. Um, they were actually graduates uh, of Langston University. I want to say like the '80s, early late '80s, early '90s. And I ended up going to school with their 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 kids. Uh, so we ended up becoming best friends. We ended up graduating uh, in the same year, um, and we both go to Langston University together. Um, I I say is if I were to be like quite honest, it was really just. Uh, it was all God, really. Um, I feel like it was it was destined for 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 me to go there with my educational career. Um, like I said, I've always known about known about Langston uh, all my life. Uh, I wasn't the best in, in high school. I had a lot a lot of potential, a lot of academic potential, um, but it really went wasted. Uh, if I were to be quite honest, uh, so I I ended up getting accepted in the three universities on my senior year. Uh, one was another HBCU in South Carolina, Claflin University, um, in South Carolina. A, a small college in, in Colorado and Langston University. And so uh, my dream school was Langston, um, just, just off the rip. Um, I'm a first generation college student, so I didn't really even know what I was getting into in the first place. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. That's just how I ended up at Langston, having an older sister go there. Um, but even more so, the Crowley Foundation and family uh, supporting me, helping me move in, um, along with my older brother. Uh, just supporting me and guiding me all the way. So every semester as I was at Langston, um, I got to share those experiences with the workshops that they have throughout the year uh, with students. And so that made me just more engraved into the institution and, and things like that. I could talk about it all day, but yeah, that's how I got there. <laughs> all right. So now, Fashay, I know I know you a little bit. Um, so I know that like based off our conversation, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of your family members attended Langston. Is that correct, right? My parents did. Your parents did? My parents okay. did, yes. So you went to a PWI, correct, for your bachelor's and master's? Yes, associates, bachelor's, and master's. So for me, um, you know, both of my parents attended Langston. I grew up, Langston's going to the homecomings and everything. And a lot of the... Um, people that my parents went to school with and graduated with were working at Langston. So I, I actually wanted to attend Grambling. So it's not that I didn't want to attend an HBCU. I did. I didn't want to attend Langston because all my parents' friends were there and I thought they were going to be in my business telling my parents everything <laughs> that I did. Like, you know, Fashay got a B in chemistry. Fashay didn't come home until 10, 11 o'clock at night. So I, I needed freedom. So it wasn't that I, I had anything against Langston. I was just wanting to be on my own. And I had the opportunity to um, attend a, a junior college on, on music scholarship. And it was a wonderful opportunity. Um, you know, I, I the high school or the, the school that I went to was a predominantly quiet school. So it was a perfect transition for me. Um, you know, looking at it, I think I may have been in culture shock if I attended Langston my first year of college, uh, never really being around that culture other than Langston's homecoming. But um, so, yeah, I attended the junior college and then I, I went on to the University of Central Oklahoma to um, attain my bachelor's and master's degree. 
That's interesting because, you know, I, I personally have never, ever thought about attending that HBCU. Like, it never crossed my mind. Like, I'm not even going to well, lie. Here's, here's another thing. <laughs> you know, um, Church was talking about, you know, in Denver, not really hearing about HBCUs, but Langston is the last HBCU when you're going west. So a lot of the schools past Oklahoma, you don't hear about them. So we get a lot of kids from Chicago, Detroit. Um, I think we have a chapter in Arizona and LA, like LA will get a bus and just pick kids on it and ship them to Langston. Um, and, and it's here's another cool thing. Um, a lot of kids, it's cheaper for them to attend Langston out of state than for them to attend a state college. So in California, it's almost cheaper for them to attend. Yeah, in Colorado, I'm sure. Um, it, it's cheaper for them to go to Langston and pay that out of state tuition than to stay in their state and pay in state tuition. Wow, wow that's crazy. I, I, I did not know that, he which that I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Well, you was about to say something, Jay, when I when I said I ain't never thought. I, yeah, I, I was like, like it's, it's crazy with us being sisters, how we're totally opposite. So like me, I have to be around my people. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I have to be like, I'm in a black sorority, a majority black sorority. Like my high school that I went to until we moved to Kansas City, all the schools that I went to until we moved to Kansas City was predominantly black. So when I moved to Kansas City and went to a school that was predominantly white, it was a culture shock to me. And so like with life happening and everything like that, I didn't end up going to HBCU, but my dream was to go to a HBCU. Like I was gonna go to UAPB or, or maybe Flander, like something like that. Like I, I was going to HBCU. So when you said that, I was just like, we are so opposite. <laughs> But see, mine was, it was more so like, I just, I mean, it never crossed my mind. Like I didn't, first of all, if I'm being completely honest, I just realized that there's a such thing as HBCUs and PWIs. Like growing up, I didn't know that there was a difference. Like I, college is college. Like and I didn't know that. does know what a PWI means? Like, Probably like a lot predominantly white. predominantly white institution. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people even realize was, I mean, we say HBCU all the time, but I don't think a lot of people refer to other colleges as a PWI. Yeah, I agree. And then I played sports too. So <laughs> no, wasn't no HBCU trying to recruit me, which that's, we gonna talk about that. Cause I, I got some, I got hey, some I wasn't stuff. recruiting, so don't <laughs> I got some stuff I need to get off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So um, how would you describe your guys' college atmosphere? Obviously, you guys come from two totally different spectrums. So he went to Langston, which is predominantly Black, and then you, Fashay, being an African-American woman, woman, excuse me, going to a predominantly white institution. Um, I don't care who, whoever wants to go first, um, Fashay, since he answered the last one first. You know, what was that college atmosphere like for you? Honestly, it was amazing. It was great. Um, you know, I, I think you will excel at any place that you go to if you have that type of personality. So I think I could have gone to Langston and had the same experience. Um, I went to the junior college. I was um, in, in different groups like music groups, jazz. Um, I ran for Miss NOC and was second runner up. Um, did other things. So I, I excelled. And when I went to UCO, um, it, it's kind of funny when we went to UCO, UCO at that particular time was probably one of the most diverse colleges in the nation. So like we had so many people from so many uh, uh, countries and backgrounds. And our president really um, incorporated the, the different cultures. So we had um, Black student um, Black Student Association, we had the Indian American, Asian American, Native American, and we all had our own groups and we excelled and people supported our groups. Um, I, I didn't run for Miss Black UCO, but I did run for Miss UCO, um, fourth runner up, director's choice, I can't even remember at the time. So I, I excelled at both schools, but again, I, I go back to say that I, I think it's a lot more of the person and their personality and they'll excel at wherever they'll go to. I can agree with that. What about you, church? Can I call you church? I don't really know you like that, but can I call you church? Okay. okay. Um, so for me, let's see. 
the atmosphere. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know how to how to describe it. It was everything I expected it to be plus more. And I don't even know what I was expecting in the first place. Um see Colorado is predominantly white. I went to very diverse or white schools. I never went to like a predominantly black school or predominantly white school. It was a very just, I guess, uh, diverse for me. So I had a little bit of everything. Um, and I go to, uh, when I go to Langston, I just remember it just, it wasn't a culture shock, but it was just a lot all the time, but I was ready for it. Like I was ready to leave the house. And so um, I realized uh, the diversity between black people. Um, what What do you mean by that? If Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but what do you mean by that? Can you like elaborate? Yeah, so like um, just, just black people from like California and we, I feel like a majority of the school population was from California, um, in Texas, Louisiana, Chicago, uh, the far, far East Coast. It's like we all different, uh, our mannerisms, character, the way we carry each other. How we the way we carry ourselves, the way we react to certain situations, um, coming from uh, different upbringings. Now we all black at the same time, but I never realized just how diverse black people can be and are when we all on one campus. And me being from Colorado, um, it was like a lot of I guess not being secure in my blackness when I was when I was back home, and not really having that comfortable being in my blackness and having that identity until I'm at Langston all the time um, and getting engraved into the culture. Um, so I would just, I don't know, it was just, I say black excellence. I was I was exposed to black excellence at, at, a first, at the first time, seeing young leaders on, one being on a college campus where people wear suits to class. Like that was different for me having business Tuesdays, um, seeing your leaders on campus go to class in suits and it's 80 degrees outside, 20% humidity. So it feels like 200 degrees and they really, Monday through Friday are having that, that, that energy and that aura and that leadership. Um, so that was, that was just different for me. Um, taught me how I can, I guess, carry myself differently as a black man, as, as a leader and understand I can be a leader in my community. Um, so yeah, that was, I think that, that's it for me. The atmosphere, it's hard, it's hard to describe. Um, it was just, I would say it was just love black excellence and getting rid of a lot of like stereotypes that I had formulated in my mind being from Colorado and and those just being, all those biases being conflicted and, and diminished. And so seeing black people all in, in one setting, we all going to class or most of us are going to class and <laughs> doing that thing, you know, that college thing, I'm and realizing I'm in, I'm in school for the first time on my own, away from away from my parents. That that part was was the atmosphere. Though. I guess the atmosphere of responsibility for the first time. Were you surprised at how many black professors had their doctorates? I was just surprised that we had over five black professors. Like yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. Um, and 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 even that the professors, black professors from all over the world. Um, multiple parts of Africa. Um, mm -hmm. That that it's it's hard to put to put words on as I'm as I'm talking about it. Um, I never looked at it at that from that perspective. Sometimes uh, I guess I not took it for granted, but it was just always there. So it was like, oh okay, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think that's great that you are sitting here and you're just being vulnerable enough to say like. I didn't realize how insecure I was in within my blackness and like to, yeah. And like to be able to be like, yo, <laughs> I had stereotypes as a, as a black man, I had stereotypes against my people and to, to realize that and to, and to come into that is, is I'm gonna give you kudos to that. Like a lot of people probably wouldn't, you know, be that open to say like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was first boy too. So like, I already had like a different perspective. Like, a, like too many black people in the crowd is like, or when we loud music, it's like, that's not a, what's, what's going on over there. I need to go the other way. But yeah. then you realize that they just having a conversation. They just yeah. chilling They just doing whatever they're doing. They're not bothering nobody. Yeah. And you know, that's just having to get rid of those, those, those negative biases. I'm so glad I, I, I went to Langston. Okay, so I'm gonna switch up the conversation a little bit. 
because I know we, we were talking about it on a positive note, but I might bring it down the, the mood a little bit, but I really, really, really want to hear you guys' opinion on this question. So, you know, we always hear about HBCUs, you know, having scandals and issues and things of that sort. And people believe that HBCUs are devalued and underfunded. Why do you, why do you believe that? First, I want to start off with, with Fiche because you are an administrator or you, you know, in an administrative role at an HBCU and you're working with, with sports in that sports role. So I want to hear your opinion on that first. Um, why do you think HBCUs are devalued? Mm -hmm. I would say um, it's all about what you see or what you think. Um, it's perception. So just like, you know, you may look at a particular family and think this family doesn't have it together because that's what you see. But until you get into that home and see what's really going on, um, they may not look like they have it together, but when it comes time to push and shove, you know, they're there for each other. Um, it, it's hard to say, it's easy to say what you don't know. Um, and I, I know there's been lots of talk about schools um, taking money from kids. Um, and I don't know if you know this or not, but Langston just paid off the debt, the balances of their students um, for the last five semesters. Um, That's awesome. That's and awesome. so, you know, that was a huge blessing. You know, we had an athlete that I think had a balance, you know, maybe like $16,000 and, you know, we're trying to help this kid so he can get back in school and his debt has been wiped clean and he has the chance to start all over again. So we had like, you know, I, I can't even remember the number of kids that they're, the sweat has been wiped clean and they're having a second chance. Um, so I, you know, I, I really can't say, you know, everybody has, um, their own opinions and I I honestly can't say why they think um why they think that um yeah I don't know I don't know I think from going to PWI school and just growing up and hearing different conversations I feel like it's because a lot of people look at it from a materialistic view you know most hbcus you're not going to get the same luxuries that you would get going to you know a, a pwi um i can speak to you know my school where we took planes and we you know they paid for everything we got to go to italy like we got to experience all these things and then um you know when i went to to visit an hbcu to see that like they were just happy to just get some golden chick after their game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it, it, to put it into perspective, it kind of like humbled me a little bit because here I am, I went to, you know, this school that, that had, you know, even though you really ain't got that much money, but, you know, they have more money probably than, you know, most HBCUs. I didn't, you know, I, I was very much so spoiled to say the least. And I think that's what a lot of people look at it as, what cool things does this school have not looking at the like church said the the other camaraderie that like the other parts that makes up your college experience besides just the materialistic things but know? if you don't know what you don't have you don't know that you're missing it like these kids have never been to a d1 school so they don't know that they travel um on airplanes or they get you know uniforms and outfits and allowance of a thousand dollars a week you know they don't know any better um so that's part of it but you know I don't want to say you get what you paid for but you know like kind of like you said you know you can pay for materialistic things is that important right or is being with your family important we have a young lady that's on our track team from East St. Louis and she went to another school and transferred to Langston. And when I was talking to her and I was like, well, do you like it here? And she's like, yeah, I love it here. She's like, it's like family. I can be walking down, you know, to class. And I see one girl I was like, Hey girl, I like your shoes. And she's like, Hey girl. And she's like, we don't know each other, but you know, we're just talking, you know, like we're family. So, you know, 
that's the difference between, I think, um, HBCU is it's a film reunion every day, as opposed to a PWI where you're walking down the sidewalk and you see somebody coming towards you and you may look the other way because it just seems awkward and um, yeah. I don't know. I think in my opinion, I think it's it's all on the media. You know what I'm saying? Because you see these Netflix movies and all this other stuff and HBCUs, all they doing is partying and you seeing people get hazed and kicked out of school and drunk and ain't nobody going to class and all this other stuff. But then you'll see another movie with uh, predominantly white and they got, you know, this, that and the third. I really think, in my opinion, that media plays a big part on, on the reason why HBCUs are defunded, in my opinion. But also, I went to a PWI, so I I can't I don't really have too much in this fight. But that's just me on the outside looking in. Church, what do you think? I think a lot of things. Um, you're definitely right about uh, the media. I would say uh, other schools just have bigger influence, longer, bigger influence, and they can influence a, a longer, broader sector. Um, recruiting, think about recruiting, pretty sure just PWIs can recruit both north, uh, east to west coast, while a small HBCU only got a few little pockets they can choose from. Um, I think of, um, this is just my my biased opinion when it comes to athletics, that they have the advantage of the the luxuries of these big stadiums that, that only use a few months, eight months out the year, six months out the year, but they garner so much influence and attention nationally that students want to go to these schools because they was in the final four last year or because they got 12 national championships. Um, and you get there and the cost of attendance is so much when, it's, when you look at student fees and what you're actually paying for, the education is the same, but you're paying for that big old lake in the middle of the campus or those luxury 24 hour amenities that you can get 24 hours, 24 hour library, like that stuff costs money. You don't get that at predominant, a lot of HBCUs. Our stuff cut off at 10 o'clock. You better get your studying in, you got the chin, library closed. Like, um, I think of just, I get, yeah. So I, I guess my, my mine is um, the media for sure. Um, I guess it's hard to just put a, a, a stern definition on it, but yeah, the media, um, the, the perception just of, of blackness in, in, in general, um, you know, you only got one Mecca and that's, that's Howard. Now imagine if all the HBCUs operated like Howard or had that same, mm. that same mantra. Mm -hmm. Howard has like a, a good reputation. Like you, people don't talk right. about Howard, like they don't put, Loki Howard with the same conversations as all the HBCUs all the time. That's true. That's true. Uh, so uh, when, when, I, when I think about it like that, it's like, okay, well, um, how how do how do we change the image? Um, I also find it very interesting when we look at our two flagship schools, or one of our flagship schools at uh, in Oklahoma. You have Oklahoma was founded what 1890, uh, Langston 1897, seven years apart. But look how look how different. Um, school funding is the size of our campuses and we only found it seven years apart. Um, uh, I was going to say something else. Oh, I was going to say something else. But yeah, I just, I just, I, I think, I think all those things influence. Oh yeah, alumni. Alumni doesn't give back enough. We have smaller graduating classes. Um, maybe some people just graduated, didn't get that stellar job. As opposed to you got PWIs are graduating thousands of students and they're working at these top companies all over and they do this for years, years and decades and generations. Then you have alumni that are able to give back thousands and millions of dollars a year. Opposed to HBCUs or not. Even the, I guess the, the alumni that we do have that actually make it top tier, I feel like a lot of us don't give back enough. Um, so yeah, from funding, lack of funding from our own end, um, the influence of the media and just, I guess, overall, just perception. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. You're not lying about um, PWIs and, and alumni because UMKC show called me the like the month after I graduated asking me, I said, don't call me for nothing. 
I said, because y'all, y'all are expensive. I said, y'all ain't got enough money out of me. Don't call me and ask me for nothing else. So UMKC don't get any of my money. But yes, the, the booster clubs definitely shell out money for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Now, I, I so Shay now works at an HBCU. You went an undergrad to HBCU. And now you guys, um, uh, now church, you are going to PWI and Fache is, you know, has spent a lot of her college career at a PWI. Did, did you guys find it hard to fit in or to identify with others when going to a PWI? Especially, I, I'm really interested to hear your perspective, church, just because you went, you started off at, at HBCU and then you know, went over to a uh, PWI, like, did you find it difficult um, once you transition over to a PWI institution? Yeah, I'm, I gotta be careful what I say here. <laughs> Just so going, going transitioning, for one, I did six years at, at uh, Langston. A lot of those times I didn't have a car. So I was, when I was at campus, I was locked in campus for some, a few months sometimes and barely leaving the campus, barely seeing the other side of Oklahoma. All I knew was Langston and blackness all the time for six years. Then I go to graduate, I go to OU. I went to OU like very green. I went to Langston, I mean, OU more green than I did at Langston uh, with this mindset of like, everything is good. Like this is OU, like this the top, top. Like I, I'm, I done made it here, like I'm here. And we just, the microaggressions are real. I will say that. Um, the stereotypes were real. It, it, if I had a dollar for it, how, how many times people will come up to me and ask like what position I play or when my mixtape was going to drop. Like, I was getting that as a, at a, as a graduate student, getting my master's degree going there. I still look young, you know, I look, you know, I got the little baby face still, you know. Uh, um, but still people thinking I'm there for non-academic reasons. Um, and it would be all students, whether they white, black, Hispanic, Asian. And I was a resident director in a building with like 2000 kids. I look, you look outside the window, these kids are, they got beautiful cars. And I mean like the good cars, like the Beamers, the Audis, the stuff that people work their whole career for, like they got it at 18, 19. So there was a huge like sense of impostorship syndrome for me because I'm I'm trying to get it, I'm trying to graduate and have a career one day. And, and the students they don't want to hear about what I talk about as a resident director or privilege or understanding the transition from high school to college because they already got it. They got money in the bank. They got a new car. Uh, they got the latest iPhone. They got all the status symbols. And I had to like fight and struggle to get all those things. I still don't even have those things. Uh, most of those things yet. Um, so I, I went through like a a slight like depression period for real. Um, not knowing my place. Um, the black people on campus, it was it was like friends, not family, like I was used to at Langston. Like I you walk up like, what's up, brother? And they were just like, oh, so and that's some people, not everybody, but uh it just wasn't as authentic as I thought it was. And that was just that perspective. And then you got the other I don't know how many racial incidents that happened on campus while I was there in a small two years, like two blackface incidents, uh, anti, uh, was anti Semitism, anti-Semitic mm -hmm. um, situation going on. And then another like blackface incident, racial incident, and all in like the span of like two years. Uh, and then while I'm in class talking about policies and how the higher education works, um, we're still pulling from the, I think it's like, the, I don't know, with the SAI, SAE um, incident with the fraternities. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. Wasn't that your school that had that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was always like a lingering. People still talking about it on campus in class. And so that one, you can see the trauma that it caused the campus and that the campus is not all the way healed. And then we having these, we protested on campus, like while I was there. And having to sit in uh, boardrooms with the uh, Black Student uh, Association, Black Student Alliance, and, and 
give up your day to, to go help students protest because your students in your building ain't fit, don't feel safe on campus. Like that, having to go through that, that was just very just exhausting just as a graduate student, as a graduate assistant. And I'm not even administration all the way. I have no power to change anything. Um, yeah, uh, very, very exhausting. Um, I tried to make the most of my opportunity um, but even then, there was a lot of points where I was just stereotyped, like as I, smoking weed, marijuana, and things like that. Like people would think I have my OU badge on, I have a, a slight business casual outfit on, and people think like I'm high on campus. And I have to have like real conversations with directors and supervisors. Like, do people not understand me? Like, I feel misunderstood. Um, people not understanding the way I work and how I need, like, either my own space to myself or I need to like be around a community of people. But when I go out to lunch, I find the black kids because that's what black kids do at lunch. We find each other. Um, black kids sit together at the lunch table. Like that's a whole book. Um, why do I wear Jordans with my business attire? Because that's how I get down. Like that's that's how I, it doesn't make me less professional. I just, I just like a little drip with my outfit. <laughs> so um, just these things having to go through just a lot of the microaggressions, uh, having to process those all the time. I had a great experience. I, I my, my experience at OU was more like academic. I enjoyed the academic side, um, but on campus was very exhausting a lot of times. My, very exhausting for me. Yeah, long-winded, but I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. He, he had that on his chest. He was like, I need to get this out. Let me let. And this is a safe space. We told you. Yeah, we told you. Come on in this room and heal. Come on. Yeah. I was literally about to be like, boy, if you don't get your healing, get your, get your healing. Get your healing. That's what we're here for. Right. Come on in the room. What about you, Fashay? What, what, uh, did you find it um, a little difficult to try to fit in or any of those type of things? Yes and no. So, you know, church was talking about, you know, the different diversities between the, the, the Blacks on campus. And I was more accepted by the Whites than the Blacks. Um, obviously, I taught differently. Um, I had a different background, you know. I was probably one of the few Blacks, if not the only Black, that had both my parents, you know. Um, I grew up in the same house my whole entire life, um, went to the same school that my, my dad went to. So my life and my background was totally different than most of the Blacks that um, I was going to school with, especially after junior college. So they were always asking me questions um, with the white kids. You know, I was just me. I was Fashay. You know, I was in the roustabouts. I was in the choir. I was in the jazz band. So I didn't have to prove myself. I felt like I was proving myself more to the Blacks. Like, yeah, I'm Black. Like, I drink red Kool-Aid. I eat greens, you know, and Black eyed peas. Um, <laughs> and at UCO, it was, it was a little bit different. Um, you know, in the, um, the food court, we would kind of gather. There was like a special time where we would just gather. So it was like a, a mini HBCU um, within the school. And we would just gather, you know, during the week and hang out for an hour or two hours and kind of hang out. So that was a little bit different when I went on um, for my bachelor's degree. Uh, I was definitely more accepted. I think the only time that I really experienced something different, I actually had the opportunity to go back to, and I, this wasn't in my bio, I had the opportunity to go back to the junior college um, that I went to, to be a counselor. And that goes back to the connections, the counselor that was there when I was there, we had kept in contact and there was a position that came open and she contacted me. She's like, Fishay, there's a counselor position um, available. Would you be interested in applying? And mind you, I still had a year left of school in my master's program. So at first they were like, no, we're not gonna do it. But after a few interviews, they didn't find anybody that they liked. And the president was like, hey, let's do it. So they interviewed me and I met with the president and they hired me right there on the spot. And they paid for my last year of my master's program. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a blessing. So after being there as a counselor, um, I think a year later, the director left and I was promoted to director of counseling and people were coming in. I remember this one couple coming in and they were looking for somebody. I was like, can I help you? And um, they thought I was the secretary and I was like, no, I'm the director of counseling. <laughs> um, I was the only black administrator on the campus and in the, the, the college's 100 plus history, I was actually the first black administrator hired 
to the college. So they weren't exactly, so they weren't expecting a black person to be in that type of position. Um, So yeah, so my experience was a little bit different. Um, That was the only time that I really, as a black person had to to prove myself, but um, in the younger, the college, college days, it was more being accepted by the, the black kids. That's crazy. That, I don't know, it just reminds me of my job, but I can go down a whole rabbit hole with microaggressions and corporate America and stuff like that. I don't even want to do that. But, but, but just like Church was saying, you know, I remember I was um, like during my master's program, I was working at Olive Garden as um, a, a wine host and, you know, doing some other things. And this one guy was just talking to me and I told him I was working on my master's degrees and he was impressed and he was like, um, were your parents proud and um, that you went off to college? And I was like, no, my, everybody in my family has a degree. So he was surprised that there was this black girl who had parents that actually had degrees and uh, brothers and sisters that had degrees. And um, it, it just goes back to the stereotype of, you know, like church was saying, he was like, people think he was an athlete. Well, people, a lot of people thought my family was poor. Well, and I let them think that like, they think I'm poor. They're not going to be asking me for money. Right. So, <laughs> so um, just keep it at that. But, um, you know, until you get to know me, you know, you'll know the real me, but yeah, people have this perception that they think they're doing us a favor. A lot of times, um, Oh, I'm going to give you a job. Well, I don't need you to give me a job. You know, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just crazy what they think Yeah, they're doing us a favor. I had one of my coworkers to text me and she is white. Um, she texted me uh, last year and she was like, Hey, I have this straightener. <laughs> Do you want it? It's good for ethnic hair. <laughs> I had to leave her on red for a minute because the words that came out of my mouth <laughs> were, <laughs> wasn't professional. But then I, you know, I texted her back. I was like, Oh no, thank you. I hardly ever put heat in my hair, but thanks for thinking of me. And she was like, Oh yeah, I just thought that you, you know, you would need it or want it because, you know, I haven't used it before and I just didn't want it to go to waste. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks for thinking of me, but it was the ethnic it was the it's good for ethnic hair that <laughs> that got me so yeah Mm-mm. oh thanks yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know you know i i think for me um it's 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 gonna sound very like cliche to say but being an athlete i was always in my own like athletes are really like in their own little bubble honestly like yeah like we 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 be in our own little bubble so they like, are a click well then they have their own time schedule like who else works up at four o'clock in the morning so they can go to practice and weights and study hall and class umkc athletes though specifically girls basketball they are a cult (laughs) they are a cult and i say that not gonna come for us like that just because we we didn't socialize with a lot of people okay so what you know we tried to stay out of trouble um but no, I don't, I don't think that for me, I'm trying to sit here and, and see if I can remember a time of really feeling like I, I didn't fit in. Like I never felt like I didn't fit in or I did fit in, if that makes sense. Like I just, I didn't care, I guess maybe. That was unaware. Yeah, I was, I was, I practice class, practice class games. Like that was my, my life for four years or five years. So so if you didn't fit in, you didn't know that you weren't fitting in. Right. Right. And I'm like very quiet too. So like me and Jade are total opposites. Church, you know Jay, so you know she never shuts up. I, on the other hand, <laughs> am, am, am a lot more reserved and like to myself. So I never, you know, really was around people all the time. I know I remember Jay when she <laughs> crossed. And um, she would go into like, what what was it called? Like the little minority. Oh, the MSA office. Yeah. And I would like come in there and it's, you know, obviously majority of black students in there and people would just be like, I had no idea you were her sister. Like she never talks like does she like she stuck up and she like, you know, people have all these perceptions. I'm just like, they even said that in high school, they were just like, that's your little sister? And I'm like, yeah, they was like, she don't talk to nobody. I was like, she does talk. She never shuts up. She never shuts the hell up. Like she talks and they're just like, she don't say nothing to me. She act like she better than everybody. I'm like, 
no, nah, she don't shut up. Like you got to get to know her. She'll talk to you. <laughs> so I, I would, I would say that, like, I was just not aware. Um, I, I, I like how you said that. I just wasn't aware, you know, if I fit in or if I did, did or didn't fit in, like it wasn't something that I really was cognizant of. What about you, Jade? I'm, I'm interested. Um, no. In college, I felt like I fit right in with pretty much everybody. Um, but like I said, going back, coming from a predominantly black school my whole life and then moving to Kansas City and going to an all white school, I did not fit in with the black people or the white people. Like I, I was just the outcast in general. So like it took me a minute to find friends and like India says, I'm outgoing. So I made people become my friends. Like literally um, this one girl, her last name was the same last name as mine. And she sat behind me in history class. And so when they were calling roll, I was just like, oh, I said, where your people from? You know, got a, I'm still, you know, country, still got my Arkansas accent. I'm like, where your people from? And she was like, oh, I'm from Kansas City. I was like, oh, well, I'm from Arkansas. We, we family, you're going to be my friend. And she was like, okay. I was like, no, for real. Here's my number. Call me. <laughs> when we get out of, I was like, call me so we can hang out when school is over. And she was like, okay. And literally, I was like, where y'all locker at? Like, I literally was going to force her to be my friend because I was tired of sitting alone. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't doing none of that. Um, so my next question is, um, do you think, of course, um, do you, I don't know who it was that said it, but um, somebody had said something about like uh, funds being stolen or mismanaged or something to that effect. I can't remember who said that. Um, do you think that funds are, you said that for sure? Okay. Um, do you think that funds are actually truly been stolen or do you think that it's just, being mismanaged and I'm not, I'm not even talking about Langston because you know I'm just saying just in general when it comes to hearing that with HBCUs like what's your views on that uh, honestly I, I can't say because I, I I don't know that side of the money the budget um I and I, I can't even say the money being stolen is being from the college as so much maybe family members taking the money from the students, which, you know, I have heard that happening with um, kids, you know, fill up their financial aid, waiting on money or, you know, something else and the parents get the money. Um, so I, I have heard that happening, but I, I don't know anything about as far as schools stealing money from kids. I've just read a couple of articles. I forget the name of the schools and um, where they were, where where they were at. But I've read a few like mismanagement of funds type of articles concerning HBCUs. It's very unfortunate. I don't want to say both like both people stealing and mismanaging the funds. Plus, plus I don't know that all the, but I wouldn't. I don't know. There's just, I guess there's a lack of accountability some, with, with some HBCUs also. They're able to not get away with it, but get away with it until it's too late or too many students have been affected. I can see that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. It's crazy, though, that you see, you're hearing all this stuff about um, HBCUs stealing money. Yep, I missed. You took the words, and you don't hear nothing about the PWIs. That be. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. He about to be according to my calculations. <laughs> Speaking of uh, financial aid, so at Langston again, six years, six. That's twelve semesters. No problems with financial aid. Whatever I got in the fall, what I got in the spring. I got in the spring exactly what I got in the fall. The numbers always align with each other. My first semester at OU, they messed up my financial aid. Talk right. about it. Yep. It was, um, what you call it? I was a graduate assistant, so our tuition was paid for. We had to pay student fees out of pocket. Um, but my refund was so was so big, oh my goodness. Um, that I was, it was gonna cover all those and, and then some. They gave me, so, uh, every you know you get your your, your fall and you get the, your spring disbursement. They gave me my entire disbursement for the whole year in the fall. They didn't tell me that. So I got back in the spring, and I was about to 
paid him like an extra, a few thousand dollars that I didn't need to pay them. Um, because they, they gave me all of my financial aid in the fall. And I thought it was going to be the same in the spring. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was, it was, it was one of those situations. Uh, well, I didn't know if I was going to be enrolled um, in time, even though I, they was paying for my, you know, tuition and things like that. Um, it was very, 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 very stressful. Um, I did have to, they did have to, um, now granted, if I didn't recognize the numbers myself and look over myself and I just let the time pass, and I would have been in, in, in a bind. I had to email some people, call some people. I got to run around at OU and they had to like put like a certain like, I guess like, like scholarship on my on my tuition to make sure it's paid. So I didn't, I didn't pay them uh, any any money on my own like funds. But it was bad. Like, no, I've been there, done that. I, I know going to UMKC, I had to take a year out um, just to like, pay them back. So my, you know, my undergrad experience was a little bit longer just off of financial aid in general. So yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. That's when I said I went, I went to OU2 Green. Like I thought, oh, it's OU. They gonna have everything together. Like, well, they got it. They said psych. Psych. <laughs> it was cool though. That goes back to that whole family thing. You know, when you're at Langston, you know, big mama's going to pull you to the side. Now, look, baby, this is all the money you're going to get for the whole year. So don't spend it on shoes or, you know, all this other stuff. And um, yeah, we're somewhere else. They're like, here's your money. If you spend it all, don't don't come for us for more. Yeah, it's all assumptions. Like I, I had to learn that pretty much the hard way until, you know, I went into financial aid and there was this black guy in there and I don't remember his name but I remember his face he every year <laughs> I would go in there he would explain to me what was going on with my financial aid he did that to all he was fair with all the students but he's he was very particular with the students of color to make sure like that they were able to stay enrolled and everything like that because a lot of us would have to drop out you know to try to find the money to pay so yeah you know, it's funny that you say that, you know, when you're asking about my experience at UCO, we actually had a lot of um, Black administrators. So like the director of financial aid, um, she was Black, who is now actually at Langston. My advisor um, was Black, and he is actually responsible for me to graduate. Like it was the semester's before I was supposed to graduate. I was having issues in sociology theory. I wasn't gonna graduate. And he looked at my transcript and he's like, well, if you take this, this, and this, you'll graduate with a liberal arts degree. He is now at Langston as well. So it's awesome you know, to have the, the people that got me through school are now at Langston and we're all working together. Mm -hmm. See, I, I'm so fortunate. I, I, I can't relate to none of this. And I feel bad because I can't relate. But Except like for that one experience that you yes. came for. <laughs> it's just like, but it's very humbling though, because it just, like I said, mentioned earlier, like being a student athlete, like I didn't realize how much everything was handed to us. Like we never had to go get our own books. We never had to go through financial aid to have these, like that stuff was, we would go and they'd be like at 9 30 go pick up your books from 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 this place and all our books would be there like these are things that like i'm fortunate enough that obviously i didn't have to go through but it just listening to you guys conversation and and you guys experiences is just like man like um i'm blessed this i had coupons for books you hear me i'm on amazon like i got a coupon code to make sure that i get this book and you didn't take my coupon code amazon i'm crying because i ain't got this 30 dollars for this 15 dollar book <laughs> Man, I have pdfs you hear me <laughs> I have pdf files <laughs> i'm taking classes with my sister like hey if, if since they got you the books let me hey she's not lying she not lying. i'm like literally like can you make copies of the books so i can do the homework like oh my goodness I was literally asking her like the, ben the benefits of going to the same school together because literally she helped me graduate her and my other friend I'm like let me use y'all books so I can <laughs> so I can make it through that's funny so the last question that I have for you guys um and Eugene um kind of alluded to it a little bit when we were talking about the underfunding and the devaluing of HBCUs 
Um, do you guys feel like going to a PWI or going to an HBCU afforded you better opportunities for finding a job after college? Again, I'm going to go back to my original statement. I think it's all about the person. I think, um, and it seems like Eugene um, and I are the type of people that we were going to excel no matter where we went. Um, we created positions and opportunities for ourselves um, to put us in the places that we went. So even if I had gone to Langston or Gramblin or KU, I, I think I would have created the relationships that I had to establish jobs afterwards. So I, I, I really don't believe that it's necessarily the college that you go to. I think it's how you create the experience when you get there. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm the same way. Uh, I think I think it's about so I often hear you know people say college isn't for everybody, but I I like to say college is for everybody. It's about choosing the right institution for you. Um, for me, if I I think I I definitely would have excelled um, any any institution, um, but I also didn't realize how much a small environment was so beneficial to me. So if I would have went to like a big school outside of high school, um, I'm curious to know like how I would have ended up if I would have persevered as much. Um, but um, I was I would say, yeah, I don't think I don't think it matters. Like I graduated like from OU and had my my, my mindset was I can't just graduate. I have to graduate with opportunity. Um, and even if and I had that mindset like going into every every semester, okay, I can't just pay my bill off. I have to figure out a way to pay my bill off and when I'm gonna have it paid off by and what classes I know do I need to uh, enroll in for the next semester and what's, what's gonna be my summer job to pay for X, Y, and Z when I get back. And so I've always had this like thinking forward like mentality of being in school for, for so long. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a PWI or HBCU, but finding your niche early and having that self-identity self piece early and understanding your, your strengths and your weaknesses. So you're not putting yourself in, in, a, in a bad position or a bad environment. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I had opportunities regardless. Like when I left uh, Langston, I was gonna teach at John Marshall, a high school teach English there, should I have my bachelor's in English. Uh, but then the opportunity uh, arose for me to go to OU. So then I graduated from OU during COVID and still found a, a job in um, uh, my first full-time professional career. Um, but working at UCR, I still work at uh, Millwood High School, a black high school um, uh, in Oklahoma City. So it beat me like back to my roots at Langston. Um, the most of my principal is black, administration is black, students, everybody. So I feel like it's a baby Langston. It is a baby Langston, really. Um, so I'm right back in, 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 in my in my environment. Yeah. I mean, I feel I feel what both of you guys are saying. And I, I think I would personally agree with that, even though I'm a graduate of a PWI. I, I think it would be for me, it's all in the networking. Um, because like I told y'all, I'm gonna make you be my friend. Like there's no choice. You have no choice. So it's it's for me, is you have no choice but to talk to me. You have no choice but to email me or respond to my email because if you don't respond to my email I'm popping up during office hours like hey so I saw this job opening do you have any whatever 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 so I think it's I think it's just all in that person so I would agree with what both of you guys said. India when we went to dinner how many people did I talk to or run into or kind of <laughs> the whole state of Oklahoma y'all <laughs> not literally it was like everywhere we turned around it was, oh Yes, and you went in this, and I was just like, she really know all these people. <laughs> and I really didn't. I just happened, oh, kind of knew of a friend of a friend of a friend. And like even the guys that had biked from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way up to Wichita, Kansas. And um, but yeah, it just had that personality. So India, I have a question for you though. So even though you went to a PWI, um, you've never attended at HBCU, you had the opportunity to come and visit at HBCU. Do you have regrets or what was your experience? Ooh, you fucking hot. See, y'all was gonna say fire her butt up. Yes. <laughs> um, 
If I'm being honest, I think there were certain aspects of it that made me feel like, dang, I wish, like, I've never experienced uh, a marching band or, like, seeing that. Like, I never, and just how excited and everybody was on the field and, like, all of this, like, certain parts of it, it was just like, dang, like, I, I kind of wish I could experience that. Um, but then again, that's also the part of me that, I think I'm going to have to kind of piggyback off Eugene. I think I am still at a place where I am a little insecure about my blackness. So I don't think that I maybe would have fit, fit in as well at a HBCU just because I don't, in my head, the stereotype that I have is I don't fit in mm -hmm. with that, you know, that crowd or that persona or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, do you or do you not drink red Kool-Aid? That's all that matters. Period. I, I think I, I think you'll fit in. I think you'll fit in just, just fine if you went to HBCU. Like I do too. They the thing about HBCUs, well, they for everybody. They're for everybody. Like our drum major was white that we had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the homie. Like yeah, he's cool. Love him. You know, so uh, they they for they're for everybody and and everybody could, could find their niche and, and be a part of, of the family. We had, uh, in my chapter, we had what? Like two white miss, uh, blue and whites representing chapter. We had Langston had Blanchia. She was a, a Asian, the first Asian Miss Langston and caused mm -hmm. the uproar. <laughs> like, I forgot what year that was. What about the the the, the girl that pledged Delta? I can't oh, remember her name. Yes. He yes. made national like the shade room all over and i'm like yo i know her like yeah you know so there's this i think also there's this this like stereotype like oh pwi like you have to be white to go there and hbc you have to be black to go there you know but if you want to like be honest the reality is you can be yourself at both institutions and right. be successful it's all in your mentality and how you and how you approach the situation um, i would 100 percent agree with that yeah. I, I i definitely yeah. would agree with that yeah, and yeah, I, I say you being, you know, an athlete for sure. You would have definitely, if you played for the Lady Lions, like you would have definitely been on. Definitely have more friends. Going she turned to us down. First of all, time out. Pause. She he said have more friends. friends. She didn't say she didn't have friends, dog. Hey, why you gonna throw that in there like that? <laughs> he said have more friends. Like, you don't, you don't need to air my business out that I ain't got no friends. She got friends. I'm her best friend and you're not finna do that. I told Jade that in confidence. God dang it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So. It's been a pleasure to have y'all, you know, joining us today. Like, we want to thank you guys for coming out, weighing on this conversation, giving your opinions. Uh coming in and being vulnerable, you know, to express, you know, how you felt about going to HBCU or PWI and things of that sort. Hopefully, you know, the listeners that um, listen will be able to basically relate to what you guys were saying and, and resonate with the experiences. And if there's any, you know, young listeners trying to decide whether they should go to HBCU or go to the PWI that's down the street, maybe it'll help them to, you know, make their decision wisely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, go ahead. My bad, Church. Go ahead. I just say go to college. That's I'm for education. Just go to school. I don't even care which one. Just go. Amen. Yeah. Well, um, before we 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 end it, um, I want to give you guys both an opportunity if you if you want to share um, your social media, um, you know where people can can find you. Um, if they are interested to learn more about you or just, you know, y'all both are outgoing people just want to be like, hey, I heard y'all on the podcast, this, this, and this. Um, so if you want to, for Shay, just, if, if you're comfortable, you don't have to if you don't want to, but just drop where people can find you on their, on your social media. Yes. So my Facebook page is Fashay Kinslow and Fashay is F-A-C-H-A-I-T-T-E. Kinslow, K-I-N-S-L-O-W. And I think my Instagram is, is it F Kinslow? 
I know, right? Get the life together. Um, it's F Kinslow. <laughs> so you know millennials and Gen Z, we know our Instagrams and Snapchats and everything. Like you don't, we might not know our social security number, but we're gonna tell you where you can follow. Didn't I just tell you? I just got home from football. I've been oh, working twelve-hour days. I've been teaching line camp with these freshmen who don't know nothing. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Yes, I understand. That's my week. I'm lucky I know my name. I'm lucky I know what day it is. Right, that's all that matters. Yeah. Church, you want to get your plug on? Your shameless plug? I got you. Uh, Facebook. Find me on Facebook. I'm also I don't have Twitter. I don't do Twitter. Um, Facebook though, you can find me Eugene Buckman Jr. E U G E N E B U C K M A N J R. Facebook. Um, you can follow my two Instagram pages. One of my personal. Uh, churches and verses, C H U R C H E S underscore N underscore versus B E R S E S churches and verses, and then my other my art page, churches creations, C H U R C H E S underscore creations with a Z C R E A T I O N Z. Shout out to the Zaytos. Hey, turn up, turn up. You lucky because I was about to be like, all right, Akilah, see, he had to spell and be down, fat boy. Too much. So are you going to be at homecoming this year, Mr. Church? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, All right, come find me. I will. I'll find you for sure. I got and you. And I think you're just up to stream. We'll have to go out and um, have some blue drinks. Okay, I'm, I'm all for that. I like <laughs> See, look at this. I love this networking. See? Yeah, I can tell you about the blue drinks. Yeah, the blue drinks is fire. They fire. <laughs> They're fire for sure. So um, just a quick synopsis of what we have in store this season. We have some, like, last season, I told y'all was a banger. I told y'all. No. Anyways, this season is going to be just as good. Um, we're going to have a, an episode on discovering your purpose, um, a mental stability check-in pre-COVID and post-COVID. Parents, this one's for y'all. Are we equipping, equipping woo, our <laughs> children for success? And then last but not least we gotta gotta finish it off with the ships y'all friendships situationships relationships we gotta talk about it gotta get y'all input on so um that's what we have coming up for you guys so be on the lookout for that i am so excited for these podcasts to come up like oh i cannot wait to talk about the ships and then of course the mental stability pre and post covid because y'all know how i am when it comes to mental health so i'm ready for those um, again, make sure y'all follow us on social media. I'm going to drop it again for y'all just to make sure. It's Facebook is Upgrowth Mindset. And then Instagram is Upgrowth underscore Mindset. So make sure y'all hit us up there. And then also, if you if anybody just wants to jump on the podcast, um, shoot us an email at upgrowth.mindset at outlook.com. We welcome any and all suggestions. And perfect. as always, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Charles. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Church. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, perfect. That's perfect. My bad. Uh, I mean, no, you're you good. You're good. Um, and as always, don't forget that the mindset matters. And we'll see y'all next time on our glow up movement. Bye. Bye. Bye.